On today's episode of Double Down Trent, it sounds like sports are almost maybe possibly coming back. The NBA and the NHL seem like they've got some tentative plans in place. Who knows about MLB? So in the meantime, we are talking prop bets for the NFL. We got to hope that they come back because if they don't come back, we are screwed. Without football, there will be chaos. Mark my words. So on this episode, Coulter and I are doing a division-by-division division breakdown and all of the prop bets that might fall in there. And today we're looking at the AFC East. So not only is Tom Brady not in this division, but it might be the first time in 20 years that there could be a brand new winner of this division. Is it the Jets? Is it the Bills? Who knows? Can the Dolphins make a run? We're also talking Tua. Is he going to have an impact or is Fitzpatrick going to take the helms there? We also got Sam Darnold and the Jets and Adam Gase and a lot more. So stay tuned for episode 74. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host, as always. Joining us today, our very own insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. You know, uh, we got to keep the momentum going. You know, society's reopening. Things are looking on the up and up. So, you know, here on Double Down Trent, we can't let ourselves get bogged down by this pandemic. You know, full steam ahead keep the momentum going off the NFL draft, the schedule release. I'm still excited. Yeah. And we're going to be introducing this, uh, I guess we'll call it an NFL expose series. So we're going to basically look at every division and we're going to give you guys all of the bets that we think are worth exploring in that division. Could be a team, could be a player. We're going in on it. Now, before we jump in though, Coulter, this is a podcast obviously, but we're recording over Skype, so we've got video here. We got two beautiful-looking mustaches going, so give me a little backstory on yours. Yeah, well, you know, I've been growing out the beard ever since, I think, March 14th or whatever. So it's been two-plus months, which is the longest I've ever grown out my facial hair. And the sideburns were getting unruly. I wasn't really doing a good job of maintaining it, so today I just decided to hell with it. It's going. And uh, so everything went. I got it down to the goatee and then the goatee kind of made me look like a serial killer. So off went the beard and it has the, my mustache isn't quite as thick as yours, but, uh, it's got good growth. You know, it's got uh, potential for sure. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Mine's, uh, mine's kind of reaches terminal velocity. I think I don't know if I can get much more fuller. Otherwise I'll turn into Andy Reed. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got the Tom Selleck there. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into this here. So we're going to be, as we said, looking at every single division, and breaking down any bet that might fall under that division. So we're going to start this uh, first one off here with the AFC East. A lot of big storylines this year. And for the first time in almost 20 years, there is no Tom Brady in this division. So what are some of the big things that you're looking at from this division? Yeah, I mean, most notably for years, you know, I, I don't know if everybody is the way that I am. But every time you go through the NFL like preseason you kind of pick a division winner by division and for some reason the AFC East is kind of like just the top of the menu but for our whole entire lives basically now it's been 
just slot in the Patriots and let's move on to the other divisions and, and find value. But so Tom Brady's obviously left the division and his departure means the Pats no longer have a stranglehold on the division and the division odds are as close as they've ever been in the last 20 years, I think. So yeah. that's from a gambling standpoint and a big picture standpoint. I think those, that has to be the top uh, kind of bullet point going into the season. Yeah. And like you said, from as long as I can remember, it was like, all right, the schedule's out. Patriots are going to win the division. Set right, the line at 10 and a half. One. Right. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's do something. Yeah. Cause we did the pod last year and it was just like, yeah, Patriots over. Let's move on to the next team. It's not even like, yeah. And they're going to have to second guess it. They're going to be the team. I think uh, that is going to be the most interesting in this division, just from a pure, what the hell is going to happen standpoint. But there's a lot of storylines. There's other teams. I mean, the, there's some teams on the up and up and you got a lot of young quarterbacks in this division, which I think is pretty exciting. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of, uh, you know, you have Belichick, who's obviously a veteran coach, and you've got um, you've got McDermott in Buffalo, who's uh, who's been there now for, I think, five years. And then you have Gase in New York, who's been in two different gigs. So you have a lot of veteran coaching, but a lot of young QB, a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks. I mean, you're looking at Sam Darnold as one of the more experienced guys, and his second season was completely train-wrecked by Mono and a bunch of team injuries. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But then you've got Josh Allen, who obviously has been erratic at best. Um, Jared Stidham, who the Pats are now going to be relying on. And then you've got Tua, who I don't know if we'll see this year. Um, uh, we talked about it on the last pod for the rookie of the year. So we don't know how much we'll see of Tua, but still a lot of young quarterbacks, some veteran coaches. It makes for an interesting kind of dynamic, plus the COVID thing. So I think there's going to be some growing pains along the way. Yeah. And obviously we got Belichick. All eyes are going to be on him. Well, uh, well, we're going to get to him and uh, kind of what we think of the Pats this year. But, you know, there's some good coaches in this league. And if you look back at the end of uh, the 2019 season, the Dolphins and Brian Flores, I mean, they came together. It seemed like those guys really rallied and played for him. So I think there's a lot of expectations for a decent season. But what do you got for uh, your take on Flores moving into this year? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because obviously he's the young kind of coach in this division. But what he proved last year, he got a five and 11 season out of easily the worst roster in football. Um, so even if I mean, I don't want to skip ahead too much. I think personally that the Dolphins are going to kind of flatline and I would not be shocked to see them back at five and 11 or even maybe potentially four and 12 uh, at the end of this season. And I don't think that's in an indictment on Flores. Let's remember he overachieved last year. That was a roster that easily could have been zero and 16. There was talk of that early in the season. They got blown out in their first three games. So you just pointed to they talk about a team that was heating up at the end of the season. They beat new England in new England. So, I mean, they were hot leaving the season, which I think puts the expectations higher uh, than they should be for a roster that's still very young, still very inexperienced, and one that was kind of built to fail in a sense. They're in a, still in the rebuild mode. So anybody that's like eager to bet the Dolphins on the over, I would really caution um, just not <laughs> do that with, uh, you know, don't do it all in. Maybe maybe 50 bucks at most uh, on the over win total for the Dolphins because I definitely think that, that that's going to be – a team that will struggle in year two of the Flores era. And it's not because Flores isn't a great coach. I think he's the top 12 in my opinion in the league. Yeah, I think he's a great coach too. And they had a really good draft as we covered previously uh, on here. Yeah, but the we have thing- a lot of draft picks like that. It's in a, the, the pandemic. I, I just, I don't know. I think that the other three coaches are going to have that kind of veteran experience and that, that will help them kind of tool around with Miami a little bit, I think. Yeah. And you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say with all those rookies, you know, it takes time for them to come together and gel. So yeah, the dolphins had a pretty good end of their season last year. 
you said it right. They they overachieved last year, and I think there's going to be growing pains. And who knows what's going to happen with Tua. I would be surprised if we don't see him at all. But I bet, you know, midway through the season, depending on how things are going, you're probably going to start seeing Tua get in the mix. Yeah, you. I was going to say, I think if the way I project the season going is, let's not forget here, too, that uh, New England and Buffalo, the reason why they're so neck and neck in this division is because they have two of the best secondaries in football, if not the first and second best secondaries in pro football. And so you have a quarterback as erratic as Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think people are penciling in him in for a much better season than it's Ryan Fitzpatrick here, folks. He's a roller coaster ride at best. <laughs> All it takes is a couple bad, bad games against that Buffalo and New England secondaries. And the fans down there want to see Tua. He might not be ready. The health might not be ready. There's all sorts of issues with that Fitzpatrick Tua dynamic. I don't know if Tua is going to be ready this season, as I've said multiple times. So I really think you're relying on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't want to skip to the win total too fast, but I mean, it's at six. So you're really relying on him to get you six wins with the roster. Again, that's not as good as people think it is. Uh, I think that's a huge misconception with this roster. I really wish Fitzpatrick had uh, spent some time in New England because then you could say he's played for all four of these franchises, which is wild. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, you know, no rule it out. I mean, let's say Sidham goes bad and they just want to do another uh, kind of stopgap next year. It could happen. Yeah. So let's jump right into the Pats because they're rolling with Stidham. I, at least that's what they're saying. It, it, so can we expect them to be competitive is the question. I mean, obviously they're taking a massive step down in talent from quarterback, but their team is good and you still have Belichick. So what are you expecting from the Pats? I think it's important to remember that Stidham is a guy who uh, bounced around a few different programs. This is the guy who was supposed to be the quarterback at Texas tech and Patrick Mahomes usurped him of that job. So it's not like this guy is talentless. Uh, he was recruited to run that Texas tech offense. So this guy can throw, he's a little bit mobile, and I think that's been a big point in the offseason is that the Pats are looking forward to having a quarterback who's able to move around a little bit in the pocket, uh, kind of like a Josh Allen is for Buffalo. So I think they'll be able to compete as long as Jared Stidham is kind of that Josh Allen uh, equivalent, right? I mean, if their defense is as good as Buffalo's and Stidham isn't killing them with errors and turnovers and is just doing enough, you know, with his legs and his arm on a week to week basis and they win ugly. Why couldn't they replicate what Buffalo has been doing the last couple seasons? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And you'd have to expect that they're going to change that offense a little bit. I'd be surprised if uh, McDaniels is running the exact same offense, because like you said, Stidham gives them now this kind of opportunity to be a little more athletic and let him run a little bit. So I think I could see the Pats being the Pats, but not quite the same way. I should say, uh, you know, I just did one on a long spiel where it said the Pats could replicate the Bills, but I think the Bills have a distinct advantage. And being a Giants fan, you know this. The defensive line for Buffalo is stacked. I think New England's got worse in that area. And I think B- Buffalo's offensive line is actually pretty damn good. If, if you think about it, to, to have a Josh Allen back there, uh, he's not exactly the epitome of consistency. And you went to the playoffs with that. You were running the ball efficiently if you're that team. So I like them on both sides of uh, the line. But I think Buffalo has an advantage over New England. Allen has more experience than Stidham. So I, I actually kind of lean towards Buffalo, although I, I know I was just making a case for New England. Yeah. And we got to just mention the Jets here, uh, the fourth <laughs> team in this division, who always seemed like an afterthought. I mean, going into last year, they had some high hopes. You got the new coach in Gase, you've got your quarterback, and then it's just the, the wheels fell off. Do you expect a bounce back this year uh, from the Jets, but more specifically from Sam Darnold? 
Um, yeah, you know, I think this is the most injured team. We're going to get to this in uh, my value place, but this is the most injured team in pro football last year. And we can't forget that their season went totally off the tr- train rat, uh, train tracks last year when he got mono. They had no solution at quarterback. They had a terrible offensive line. The back of quarterback got hurt. It was just pretty much the worst situation you could have ever imagined. And somehow, just like Miami, how is that team not picking in the top 10 in the NFL draft? I mean, I was doing the research on this and I was thinking, man, this jet season was the season from hell. And somehow they weren't one of the 10 worst teams in pro football. I mean, it's just like Miami. How are they not one of the four worst teams last year when you look at that roster? So I, I actually am pretty high on the jets. I like them to go over on the win total of six and a half. Um, I like Darnold. Um, I'm not going to be shy on that. I, I, I like him for fantasy. I like him from preseason gambling standpoint. Um, I think he has talent. I know the stats don't back it up, but I think in year three, you're going to get from him what people are expecting. Kyler Murray is going to be in year two in Arizona. You're going to be getting that kind of year two growth that Darnold wasn't able to have last year because of the mono. Yeah. And they went all into, so they had a pretty good draft. They picked Makai Becton to really solidify that offensive line and they added Denzel Mims. So they've got talent around Darnold. So I think they're going to be expecting a pretty big season for me, though. All it comes down to is, do you trust Adam Gase? And that's going to be the big dis- determiner for this team. He's the worst coach in this division, and you don't want to hit your your wagons to them winning the division or any odds like that or any sort of thing of them getting 10 wins. But I think it's six and a half. I'm intrigued enough to go on the over there just again because they were so injured. And I think that the the line is shaded negatively without accounting that factor in. And I also think there's an element to this that I really like uh, that they're playing in New York. And I know that seems kind of backward as New York will be the biggest obstacle to get this done. But I, New York's going to need these teams to be kind of a rallying team, uh, the Giants and the Jets, uh, kind of like the Yankees were in 9-11. So I, I definitely think that momentum helps them. I just don't see how they could be under at six and a half. I, I see them having a seven and nine, eight and eight season. I know Gase isn't great, but I, I just I think there's too many too many talented pieces on that team for them to be that bad again. Yeah. At some point the talent just takes over and there's really, unless Gase is just completely blowing games and making terrible decisions. I mean, you, you got to let the talent play. So yeah. I, I'm expecting a good year. I was going to say similar to the dolphins, you know, I kind of like both of those overs in, in a sense, but I think I'm apprehensive because I think the management and, and the management in Miami and the coaching in New York and the management in New York are very big question marks and they always have been. And that's why new England's been able to dominate this division for as long as they have. Uh, it's because the jets haven't been able to figure it out and neither has the, have the dolphins from a management and co- coaching perspective. Yeah. So let's get into uh, our categories here. We kind of touched on it. Like you said, for the first time in 20 years, this is finally a division that's up for grabs. So I'm going to run you through uh, the the odds to win the division, and then we can kind of go from there. So right now, the Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East. They are plus 120. Then the Pats at plus 130, so pretty neck and neck. And then it kind of falls off. The Dolphins at plus 800 and the Jets at plus 850. So who's jumping out to you with those numbers? Yeah, I like Buffalo here. Uh, they're, they're kind of my favorite team. I know it's relying a lot on Josh Allen, but it, they went all in on uh, with the stuff on Diggs trade. And you can't say the same for New England. Everything that New England has done has been we're not all in. Right. And Buffalo is very much the opposite. They are like we are going for it while Josh Allen's on the rookie contract. And while we have this amazing defense, we're pushing all of our chips to the center of the table. Anytime a team does that. Uh, I, I kind of like it just from a philosophical, especially if they haven't won in a while. And Buffalo has not done that. I think they have a very, very 
favorable schedule too. They have really no tough road games other than going to San Francisco, which is a, I would chalk that up as an automatic loss, but I'm looking at their schedule and I don't see many losses here. I, I see an 11 and five football team um, as I already praised their offensive line. And I do like McDermott as a coach. Yeah. And they added uh, AJS Apensa from uh, Iowa as a pass rusher. So they bolstered that defense. I'm with you here. I like the bills at plus plus one twenty. Uh, the Pats making a run at this is intriguing, but I just don't have faith in Stidham. I just can't see how that team can even be close to what they were last year with Brady. I mean, that just, it, something doesn't add up for me. I'm not really a big fan of their skill position guys too. And I guess this is probably the best time to talk about that problem where you have Sony Michelle, who's been an underachiever. You think he's all of a sudden going to pop now that Tom Brady's not there. I, that, that just seems backward to me. James white. Similarly, uh, if they're going away from this Tom Brady McDaniels offense, what does his role look like if they're doing more play action and, and Stidham is going outside of the pocket. I don't know if white fits into that dynamic. Uh, what do you think about that? He's more yeah. of like a screen catching back that you dump it off to. Exactly. And that's why they've kind of rotated out running backs in new England for all these years. Right. And now you, like you said, we're, we're taking away Brady. Who's the number one guy on that team. And now of course you're going to be looking at Sony, Michelle, you're going to be stuffing these guys in the box and just daring Stidham to beat you. So I can't see their ground attack all of a sudden making a jump to this big, like, dynamic offensive unit. I just can't and, see it. And then you've got older Edelman as a pass catcher. Sanu, who was a very big underachiever last year, the fans, although the fans might not play a dynamic in this season. And we'll probably hit on that a couple of times during these podcasts. We don't really know what the fan dynamic will be, but the fans in new England don't really like Sanu Edelman's older. They're really leaning heavily. Again, this is scary. They're, le- they're leaning heavily on Nikhil Harry and Sony Michelle to be the breakout guys. Right. These are guys that barely broke out when Tom Brady was there. Why am I supposed to believe that they're going to break out now? Uh, to me, if I'm going to bet, I'm betting on Nikhil Harry and Sony Michelle to have shorter football careers than long superstar careers where they're multi-pro ball players. I'm going to go against that. Um, so. I- Completely agree with you, man. I mean, Edelman's their weapon, and he's getting old. This guy's like my age. He's almost 34 years old. Yeah. No, I mean, you and, and there's probably a little bit of a sourness to him, too. I mean, you've got Gronk going down to Tampa to follow Tom, and there's got to be some sort of like I'm missing out on the party kind of element, right? Yep, absolutely. And what if he's just getting pummeled by, you know, Miami has Byron Jones, and they've got Howard. That's a great duo of corners. The Jets have Adams, and then Bills have Tredavious White in a great secondary what if he's just getting pummeled week after week after week by these? And these are pretty good secondaries in this yeah. division. It could be a nightmare for Stidham, honestly. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. As a wild card, I don't hate the Jets at plus 850. <laughs> I mean, I know we just talked about them they're, and we were relying they on They have Gates, no but reason damn. to be the fourth team in this. Yeah. There's no reason the Dolphins should be put above them. That was the number one thing I saw while I was yep. listening this out. I was thinking, why are the Jets worse than the Dolphins? The rosters are just different. The Jets are much more built to win right now than the Dolphins are. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, you throw 10 bucks down on the Jets and you never fucking know. I mean, that, that's a that's a long shot here. Um, all right, let's I go to the window. I recommend it because of Gase. That's my, my one big – I mean, I, I really do like the Jets in the preseason, but I just – there's something about that guy that I can't trust. You know, he was in and out of our worst coach rankings all throughout yeah. last season. Right. I mean, that's similar to what I was just saying about betting on Michelle and Harry. It's like, am I going to bet Adam Gase turns it around and becomes a top five coach in the league? Or is he going to be out of the head coaching job? I'm going to bet closer towards he's never going to have another head coaching job because he doesn't really 
done anything to prove otherwise as a head coach. He was a great coordinator, obviously in Denver, but yeah, I actually think, you know, I just said maybe a wild card on the jets there, but I, I can see a world where, uh, like coming out the gates, the jets stumble, Sam Darnold is struggling. And now all of a sudden he's on the hot seat. Yeah. You gotta get yeah. rid of him. Cause you you can't waste. Well, yeah. I mean, like you said, you can't waste all these prime years of your quarterback. So if they struggle out of the gates, I mean, he's gotta be a, nervous. <laughs> this is on the fly. You and I are coming up with a great value bet and these are not out yet. First coach fired. I've not been able to find, but whenever they do, let's put a little star next to Adam Gase. Cause you're right. <laughs> The opposite of what I'm saying, that New York momentum could go completely the opposite way. What if they're one and seven coming off the pandemic, coming off of last season? You've got Darnold struggling in year three. All of a sudden, that Jets management could be like, screw this guy. They already have the GM coach problem. Yeah, I, yep. I love that. Great. And you, great and you think about it. There's precedent for this. I mean, you look at the Giants. They had their young quarterback. Pat Shermer sucks. They get rid of him. The Browns, young quarterback, Baker Mayfield struggling. Get rid of Freddie Kitchens. I mean, this is we've seen it before. So I think there's a scenario where that happens to Gase. Yeah, I, I really wish the first coach fired odds were there. So far, all I, all I see is the coach of the year, which we went over last week. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. That is, yeah, yeah this is why we pod in May. We, <laughs> we talk it out on air, and during the pod, we're coming up with a good bet. I love Throw it. Throw some darts at the board. All right, so let's go to win totals here. Um, let's start kind of from the bottom and work our way up here. So, we've got the Dolphins uh, listed at six for their over under number. What do you like for the Dolphins? Yeah, this looked at one point like it was going to get up to six and a half, but they drew a tough schedule, um, which is not excellent for them. But I think the early line movement indicates this is the team that's kind of heading in the, you know, as I said, everybody's thinking that they're heading in the right direction. So that's why it was making the movement. But the, for, for me, the fact that it didn't get to six and a half means there's still a little bit of value on the over. Uh, obviously, you have to pay a premium. It's one uh, minus 145 on that over. So again, it's a small recommendation on the over and just be very weary that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback there. Um, I can't say to bet on the under, although I, I feel like the team, this will be the last, they will finish in last in this division, but I don't know. They, they have enough pieces and I like Flores enough where I'm, but the recommended bet is a 30 to $50 wager on the over and nothing more. Yeah. I'm with you here. I, I see a world too, where Fitzpatrick, gives you a couple of wins early and then just starts to suck and goes back yes. to his Fitzpatrick September era. September numbers. Yep. And then, yep. Yep. And then if Tua comes in, let's say like week eight or week 10, if Tua looks good and there's some energy behind the dolphins, you could see them kind of making a, uh, a push down the stretch like they did last year. So I, I, I like the over here as well, but not by a lot. So maybe a small sprinkle on that over. Oh, you know what I do? I do want to point out while we're on Miami, then this is actually important. And this is kind of why I lean towards the over. If I'm going to make a play on this, the, with the, without fans in the pandemic, um, dolphins are the third least affected team. They're third worst in fan attendance behind Jaguar Jacksonville and the chargers benefits the dolphins. It hurts a team like new Orleans that thrives on the fans. Miami is used to playing in empty stadiums. <laughs> so, and they have the heat, they have the home field, heat, yep. which helps them. Um, so big advantage for them, uh, without the fans, Buffalo, similar to new Orleans is at a disadvantage without the crowds. I just wanted to point that out to the listeners. That's a great point right there. So the jets now they're somehow <laughs> at six and a half here. We just talked about this in some scenarios with Gase. Do you like over or under six and a half for the jets? Yeah, that's another small over bet. I, again, I just can't think that the season is going to go off the rails. I think Darnold's actually going to be really good. I think Darnold has the potential to be the best quarterback in this division uh, by a pretty substantial margin, 
right? I, I mean, mean you'd have to think so. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying long term. I'm saying this, this year. year. I mean, yeah. let's just say Stidham isn't great. Or maybe let's we'll get to Hoyer in a second, too. Let's say it's Stidham or Hoyer in New England. And then you've got Allen, who could be erratic. I mean, a lot of pressure in Buffalo. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for Allen. I'm worried about it for Drew Locke in Denver myself. So, yeah, I mean, we just covered there's two teams that potentially could have a change at quarterback, and that's the Patriots and the Dolphins. So you're really saying that or doing, yeah. Yeah, yep. that early part of the year. So yeah. really, Darnold just got to outplay uh, Josh Allen. And I don't think that's a stretch. I think if you look at the just actual quarterback ability, Darnold's a better quarterback. But Josh Allen is a little bit more athletic, so he can make some plays. But we saw him make all kinds of errors and turnovers. So I think you're you're right there where we could see Darnold having a major leap in year three. I'm taking the Jets over here. Um, you know, we talked through this. I, I think that line is perfect. Six and a half. I wouldn't go big on this bet, but I think, I, you know, seven wins is not out of the question for the Jets. Yeah, I think that this is a team to uh, like, I think they can steal a few wins from the division. If, I mean, if the Jets are three and three, let's just say they split the division. All we need is four other wins on their schedule. Yeah, I, I think they have enough talent. The Adams thing could be bad and the Gase thing could be bad. And that's why it's a small wager. Otherwise, I'd be much more, I'd say, put more on the Jets, but it's small because the Gase problem in the Adams distraction linger for me. Yep. Okay. So next is the Patriots. Their line yeah. is set at nine. What do you got here? And you can see the traffic has already been pounding out on the under. I'm going to go with the traffic, uh, not to swim with the current, but it's uh, minus 150, And that I would take an under on that. I just think the odds are that that offense is really bad. Um, you know, it's a, again, tough to defenses. They're going to be, I mean, I keep reading these things where they're it's like, Oh, the Patriots are gonna have to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. That is just not happening. The chiefs are much better than new England. The bookmakers think so. Uh, everybody thinks so. And, and so that, that is just blasphemous, I think. And so the Patriots are still playing a first place schedule. They still have the chiefs. That's a loss. I, I don't see how they could possibly beat Baltimore, but maybe Belichick comes up with a great defensive scheme and they hang in an ugly game. But either way, I just, I keep seeing eight and eight when I look at their schedule. At yeah. best nine and seven, and that's a push. I'm with you a hundred percent here, and I'm actually going to go out on a limb here with the Patriots. Okay, you think it's dumpster fire? I think it's dumpster fire. I so Belichick's not going to just outright tank. There's just no way he's going to do that. That's why I think he's trotting out Stidham. I don't think he wants to compete for this division. Everyone's saying tank for Trevor Lawrence, but that's you know who knows what's going to happen. You could have one team that's worse than the Pats, and all of a sudden they're not getting there. But I think that Belichick wants to be somewhere in the top 10 of the draft next year because he at least can make a move to trade up to one or two. And everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields is out there too. Let's not forget about him. So if Bill's in a position to trade up to one or two, and then he's got his quarterback of the future, I think that's worth it for him to have one bad year and not an outright tank. But I think he's going to be one of those teams that's like in it in the fourth quarter they're overachieving for what the talent level they've got. And they ultimately end up at like a six and 10 record. That's what I'm saying for the past this year. Yeah, I, I love that call. And you know, that there are like exact, um, you can bet like Patriot exact number of wins. So if you thought it was like four or 11, you can get like eight to one odds on four wins. Exactly. I don't I'm going to look into that. I was going to say, I don't know if mathematic, we'd have to actually ask the model if that makes sense, like mathematically speaking, but like, yeah. I, I definitely like that as an idea. Cause if you want to be bold and say like, they're going to be this bad, then you kind of get like elevated odds for it. So I love something it. to look at. It's still early. This is why we're doing the work now. 
Exactly. All right. The last one here is the Bills. Their win total was set at nine. You going over or under the nine wins? I'm going to go on the over again. I think this is a team that's in win now mode. I like what they've done with the backfield, Singletary and Moss. Um, I like the offensive line. I think they can run. I think they have a really interesting pass catching combo too with Brown and Diggs going vertical with Beasley underneath. It really all hinges on Allen. This team could be again an 11 and five team if Allen's just if he keeps going up and up and, and, and isn't erratic, this team could be really good. So when I see a nine, I got to pounce all over that. And as we've alluded to with the two bottom dwellers in this, although we're on the over with the dolphins and the jets and the Patriots, we just outlined, what did we just outline with all the three teams we just talked about? Yeah. We like the over a little bit on the jets dolphins, but we could see that being a complete cluster F in both those situations and new England could be a cluster F. So there's only one team that, in this division where I can't see the wheels totally coming off and that's Buffalo. Yeah. And that's my exact reason too. Like I just said, if new England's going to have a pretty shitty year, I don't expect the dolphins to have a good year. So someone's going to have to clean up this division and steal some easy wins. I'm going over here as well. Um, I, I do expect Josh Allen to have a better season. He's just got to limit the turnovers and that's just decision-making in my opinion. He's got all the tools. He's got the strong arm. He's athletic. He can run. Can he just now fix his mental game? I'm going to bet that he does. And I definitely like the over here. I would hundred percent bet the over. Yeah. I also want to point out too, that this division might have the, this is probably the division that has the nine and seven team, the highest odds that a nine and seven team or an eight and eight team win. So although I like the over for Buffalo, I'm going to hedge and have them as the division winner as well, in case they don't hit on that over, because I really do think that they're the one standout team here. And even if they don't hit that over, let's just say it's an eight and eight year for whatever. I still think they could win the division at eight and eight. I think it's because they're playing the NFC West. I'm looking at all their schedules and it's just like, you know, how do the dolphins beat any of the teams out in the NFC West? Right. Yeah. And new England, new England's the same way. It's like, how do they beat any of these teams? Like maybe the Rams, they have an advantage on or I guess maybe the Cardinals too, but I don't know. I could see the NFC West laying waste to the AFC East this year. I could too very easily. So let's jump into some of the uh, player props that are listed (laughs) out here, because I think there's a few, we covered basically all the guys that we're going to be talking about here, but let's just start it right away. Let's go with our guy, Josh Allen. We just talked about him. So right now his line is set at 22 and a half touchdowns and for the yards, just a really random number, 3,249 and a half. What do you like here for Josh Allen? I like it to go slightly over here. I think he has big play capability that you can't rule out with Brown and Diggs. I mean, we're talking about 80 yard touchdown pass potential multiple times this year. Uh, you got to really like that. And you also have to figure in here too, if Knox and tight end develops in, I mean, this could be a really well-tuned offense down vertically speaking. Um, and so it's really all a matter of accuracy with Allen. And if, if the accuracy is there, I mean, there's no doubt about it. This kid's got an absolute cannon. And he's got guys who can go get down the field vertically. So yeah, it's an over uh, for me. I don't know if I would put a lot of money on it, but it's definitely something that I would go over on. Yeah. And just to give you some uh, perspective last year, he ended the season with 20 touchdown passes and a shade over 3000. So you got 3089 yards. The addition of Stefan Diggs makes this compelling. I think um, definitely you, you wouldn't say he had an explosive year throwing the ball last year but he still put up 20 and 3000. So if you add now Stefan Diggs, who in theory is going to be able to open things up. I mean, he might attract double teams. He might now become the focal point of that offense. At least that's what they're hoping for because of 
the addition of digs. I'm going to take the over on both of these numbers, but like you said, I'm not going all in on this. I, I don't think it's going to be, he's not going to jump out and all of a sudden have 30 touchdowns and, you know, 4,000 yards passing. That's just not going to happen. But you're telling me if he can add three more touchdowns than he threw last year with a, an addition of a guy like Diggs, I'm in on that bet. And you have to imagine too that Singletary another year with him. I mean, I'm pretty high on him. I don't know where you are with him. I think he's going to be a pretty good fantasy back. Uh, you know, he had 29 catches for 200 yards last year. I feel like those numbers are going to boost up to probably yep. 500 yards receiving. So you get three extra hundred yards with a running back gaining extra yards. So I don't know. I like Singletary. I like I like Beasley underneath. So it's like I love what they have got going vertically. And then it's like if Allen is just efficient enough, he can hit Beasley and Singletary and Knox all day, I think, in theory. Yeah, they should have a pretty good offense. So I like the over there, but not big time. Um, let's move forward now to another very intriguing quarterback. The guy we were praising earlier, Sam Darnold. His line is a, is pretty similar, actually. So the over under for touchdowns is 23 and a half. And for yards, he's got a little bit more here. 3,599 and a half. So what are you making on Darnold's initial lines? I, you know, I kind of want to trend on the under with the touchdowns just because he hasn't broken 20 yet in his career. I know he had the mono last year, so it makes it look like maybe he would have gotten there if he didn't have the mono, but who really knows? And the pass catchers are a big question mark. So that for TDs, I, I would just either stay away or go under in terms of yards. I think they have potential where, you know, it, again, if this guy is as good as I think he could be, he could have four thousand five hundred yards and smash this by a thousand yards and again i know the pass catchers are a question mark and that's why you don't touch the tds but like i think jamison crowder as a slot guy is good enough and i i also want to say this too way too much has been put in way too much stock has been put into robbie anderson leaving this team i keep hearing from all these experts that they won't be as good in the pass game without robbie anderson my ass i mean denzel mims and paramin and Crowder will more than make up the loss of Robbie Anderson. He's a good player, but he's not a top 20 receiver. Let's stop kidding ourselves. Totally agree here. I think Mims is going to have a pretty good year as well. Uh, Perriman's interesting. He, he had a lot of uh, potential coming out of college, but he really hasn't come through in a big way. But I think, I mean, he seems like he's a jet. I don't think he's going to be great, but like, I think my point being is, is that Darnold has the opportunity to throw the football and make it happen with yardage. At least At, at the very least he will move the ball. Yeah. And we said, we expect Arnold to come out and have a, an improvement from his previous seasons. I think, like we said, he could be the best quarterback in this division. And just for that, I'm going to give him a slight over on these ones, but I think I'm going to stay away. I wouldn't touch any of these lines. Not that he's inconsistent, but I, you know, 24 touchdowns a, and 3,600 yards is a lot. He's inconsistent. All right. Yeah. If you look at his first two year stats, my, I, I went on a whole Sam Darnold spiel to one of my friends and he was just like, well, just look at the stats and the tape too. And it's like, you know, and you look at that Patriots game on Monday night, you add in all that stuff. And it, I, there's a very compelling point that this guy might just not have it. I, I'm kind of just betting on the opposite. I think he has something. And uh, I don't know. He's the most intriguing guy. We'll get to him a little bit with the uh, value play odds, but yeah, he's the most intriguing guy in this division. Yeah, absolutely. So let's shift our attention to the running backs. A few that uh, really stand out here. There's some good talent in terms of running backs for the division here. Let's start with Sony Michelle, as we kind of hit on earlier, seven and a half touchdowns and 924 and a half yards. Where are you going with Sony Michelle? I think I've got an idea. I'm going way under on the touchdowns. I just don't see it. And for the, for the rush yards, I also just don't see it. If I'm a defensive uh, coordinator, aren't you just stacking the box and making Stidham and Hoyer 
beat you. I'm going eight in the box and being like, we're not giving an inch to anything you have on the ground. We're going to make you throw the ball top over the defense. Cause quite frankly, as we just went over, they don't have anybody like a John Brown or Diggs. They have all these receivers that are possession guys like Edelman, you know, they just don't have anybody to blow by guys. So it's like on offense, I don't like their running backs uh, gaining any sort of yardage. Plus it's Belichick committee. I could see them signing another guy too. So yeah, I, I, there's all sorts of issues I have with this uh, prop. Yeah. I'm way down on the Patriots offense. I said a little bit earlier, just kind of talking about them in the division, but I'm with you. How the hell is Sony Michelle going to have an improved season this year when you know, he's the weapon. Like, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. You said, I'm going to make Stidham. I'm going to make Hoyer beat me and no way is Sony Michelle going to have these numbers. I, I was actually he had really seven surprised. touchdowns last year with Tom Brady. I mean, they're not going to have as nearly as many offensive possessions and exactly. opportunities this year. Yeah. The opportunities is, is a major point here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do bring in another running back, but Sony Michelle is really intriguing to me because when he came out of college, I was really high. I thought he was going to have a great career. He's, his, he's his a challenging guy. Yeah. yeah. But then whatever happened for some reason last year, you know, they went back to kind of a running back by committee. They were doing all these weird things with him and they're throwing the ball a ton. And I actually think because the Patriots are going to be down this year, they're going to be trailing in, in a lot of these games as well. So you're going to probably be trying to come back. So I'm, I'm completely down uh, on these numbers. I'm taking under seven and a half and I'm taking under nine, 24 and a half. It doesn't help Michelle either that he's always going to be compared to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you went one spot in front of Lamar Jackson, the MVP of the, the league. It's never going to bode well if you're a running back. Who's not as, I mean, it, a bottom line is Sony Michelle is not Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. And so therefore that's a bad pick by the Pats. Yep. Um, and it's not a team that values running backs again. I mean, it's, it's committee Burkhead, white, Michelle Bolden. They've got the kid from Alabama. I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Damian Harris. It's like, they've got so many backs there. I, I can't bet any Patriot back to go nine twenty four, especially. And it's a good line. I mean, he had nine twelve last year. Vegas knows what it's doing. But I just think without Brady, the opportunities are just not there. And I think committee is where they're going to end up going. Yep. So the next guy here, uh, very intriguing to me, Le'Veon Bell. So the lines are set <laughs> at eight hundred and fifty and a half yards and six and a half touchdowns. What do you got for Le'Veon? You know, this is almost like the opposite of a committee, or you would think at its face value that it was um, because he's such a dynamic back because he can catch and run, but they've got Gore. So clearly, uh, <laughs> you know, clearly they, they, they intend to split these carries because you wouldn't sign a veteran like Frank Gore. And then they drafted LaMichael P. Ryan. And I just heard uh, yesterday at work, actually, that Devonta Freeman is being looked at by the Jets. So it's like, there's all sorts of weird dynamics going on with, uh, Gase, as we mentioned in Le'Veon Bell, he's not, I don't think Gase wanted Bell. So there's all sorts of issues there. Yeah. I think that's going to be the big factor is that clearly Gase does not like Le'Veon Bell and the guy With sat that out said, though, his line is, is lower than Michelle. So it's, a, and he's, I think more talented has more opportunities. So yeah, I think kind of over is where I'm, I'm leaning on it just because I, he's very intriguing to me because he should be a, like top five running back, no matter what, in terms of production catches he's yards, still 28 everything. years old. It's not like he's 32. I mean, this guy's yeah. still quote unquote in the prime of his career. One would think. And he sat out a year. So really he doesn't have the traction that some of these other guys have. So I know he got a lot of carries in Pittsburgh, but I, I think he has a better year than people are expecting. 
Now, the only thing that you got to worry about here is if Gase is going to get him the ball or not. But I said that I think Sam Darnold is stepping up, which in turn means the offense is going to be picking up here. So I actually would take the over for both of these numbers here. Um, I really like, I, I mean, if you're going to tell me Le'Veon Bell has less than six touchdowns, that's a terrible year for him. Like, yeah. That's just pathetic. Yeah. So I only, only had three last year, but that team was really bad. Let's remember that. Yeah. Terrible, terrible team. Line. They had no quarterback for three games, four games. So that, that I can't even look at that as a factor for this year. All right. Wide receivers. Our first one up, another very intriguing guy here, Stefan Diggs. So Vegas set the line here for Diggs at six and a half for touchdowns and 1,049 yards uh, for, for his catching. What do you got for Diggs? I'm going to go slightly under on both of these. Uh, he's not a touchdown receiver necessarily, and I think a lot of his contributions are going to be kind of, take, again, deep threat, uh, let the offense work underneath, and he's going to be more of, I mean, not a decoy per se, but like he will have his big moments, but he won't have a ton of them because Allen is inaccurate. So I'm going under on the touchdowns. And then the yardage thing too. I mean, you have to factor in injury. I mean, I, I, what is the, what are, I think it's like 66% of these prop bets always go under. So it's like, you want to kind of lean towards that. And so it's like with a player like Stefan Diggs, first year pandemic, potential for injury, uh, good secondaries in the division. I mean, I, the list goes on and on for why you'd want to lean towards the under on both of these. Yeah. And the thing with Diggs too, is you got to worry about how he is actually uh, as a locker room and a teammate guy. I mean, this is someone who's always kind of flipping yeah. out on the sidelines, freaked out at Kirk Great Cousins. Point. I would not be shocked if that happens again, because in his mind, he is a clear number one wide receiver. And if he's not getting the ball enough, I mean, we've seen him already have issues. So I think you got to factor that in. We said that we expect Josh Allen to have a little bit of a step up this year as well. Uh, but just for a reference last year, he came in at 1,130 yards receiving with six touchdowns. So are you telling me he's going to have the exact same season with Josh Allen? And I'm down on Kirk Cousins. I don't think Kirk is a good quarterback, but he at least is consistent. I mean, he's going to get the ball out there. I think you got to worry about a lot of things with Stefan Diggs, but mostly that Josh Allen is probably going to be a little inconsistent and they're going to be spreading the ball out. I like how you said he could be a decoy, not so much like a decoy, as you mentioned, but like he's going to be that deep threat, which is going to open up everything underneath. So he might not get as many looks. I'm going with a slight under here with all of these numbers here. I just don't quite see him having the exact same season he had last year. Yeah, I mean, when you think of Diggs, too, not, not only is it the speed in the top, but even when he's going shorter and he's a great route runner, it's like the defenses are going to focus in on him if he's, let's say, running a 10-yard in, and then that allows Brown to get open over the top. So it's like no matter what Diggs is doing, I feel like he's going to be the focus of the defense, at least when they're passing the football. Yeah. And that's a big, uh, a big problem for number one receivers. And to me, and he Diggs, doesn't have feeling. He doesn't have I, exactly. You're just praising Beasley and, and Brown, who I actually think are good, but like, it's different when you don't have that other number two. Yep. And I don't see Diggs as like a true number one. I always thought of him as a, a number two wide receiver. And now you're asking him to take over the offense. I, I just don't quite see it. So I'm going under now this next one, uh, I don't want to say intriguing. I just don't know enough about him. So let's go with Devonte Parker. Uh, his line is actually set a little lower here. Um, almost the exact same though as Diggs. So six and a half touchdowns, 1,090 yards and 66 and a half receptions. What are you making of that? Yeah. Devonte Parker was a big star on my fantasy team last year. So I'm, I'm a little bit biased and I'm going to go over on these. Cause I think he's a really talented guy. I don't know if you saw, he was 
he got into a, a Twitter spat with Michael Thomas earlier this week. <laughs> I did. <laughs> which I love. I mean, so, so, I mean, he's only 27. So it's again, just like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's had a slower start to his career, but you look at last year's stats, 1200 yards, nine touchdowns. If again, if the Dolphins are going to be playing from behind a lot, I, I like the over on the yardage and more importantly, I don't know what the hell Miami's doing with the, their running game. So it's like, I think this is going to be a kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick swashbuckling passing offense until it doesn't work anymore. And then they might throw it. They might go to two and then they might be inept. So therefore you might like the under right now. I'm going to go on. I'm going to lean towards the over thinking it's going to be Fitzpatrick for majority of the season and hope that he stays relatively competent throwing the football to Parker. Because if that happens, I think Parker can crack over on both of these. I am uh, actually going to go under on both of these numbers for the exact reason that you just mentioned. I think that Fitzpatrick, he can't possibly produce what he did last year. (laughs) He just can't. I mean, a lot of eventually think he can though. I know. And, and eventually though, I think at some point Fitz magic has to run out here. But as we covered in this podcast earlier, I do think at some point they're going to move to Tua, whether it's, performance-based because of Fitzpatrick, or they just want to get Tua in there and get some excitement behind them. So if that logic holds true, I just think Fitzpatrick is not going to have a huge season. And then once Tua comes in, it's going to be massively interesting to see how he does, but there's no way he comes out and lights up the skies either. So because of the inconsistencies at quarterback, I'm going to go under with these numbers here for Parker. I don't hate that. You know, I I don't have... um you know, good read on this one way or another. I, I would think the minute that Tua comes in at Parker's numbers are going to go down. So I yeah. definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. My thing is I'm looking at Jordan Howard, Matt Breida and Patrick Laird as the running backs. And I just don't see how Miami is going to be able to muster up a thousand yard, yards rushing this year. Yeah. It's a brutal running attack here. All right. So the last guy here, the old stalwart of the division, Julian Edelman, his line is set at 924 yards and a half. You going over or under? I like the uh, the under on Julian Edelman. Again, the injury thing trending towards under on a lot of player props in general. Um, and then just the fact that he doesn't have the chemistry with Stidham or Hoyer that he did with Brady. He's not a big play guy. And I would assume that that's going to be even more so without Brady. So it's like there's no odds of him getting an 80-yard touchdown like Diggs. Uh, he doesn't have breakaway speed like Diggs. So it's like you don't have to worry about that. And – Again, going back to the injury thing, it's like Bill Belichick puts this guy on like punt returns and stuff. So he's like it and they run the ball with him. It's like he's 34. If they were going to do end the rounds with Julian Edelman and have him do punt returns, chances are he's going to be missing time this season, I think. And, you know, I think he's also going to be covered by, again, a division that is great in the secondary. He's going to be swarmed. I don't see him getting separation without Brady. I think he's a shell of himself and going under. Yeah. I'm going under as well. There's just no way this offense is as explosive as it was last year. Edelman is getting up there. So like I said, he's 34 years old without Brady under center. You cannot expect this guy to have a good season. We just went over how we think the Patriots, or at least I think the Patriots could be really bad this year. The only opportunity though, is that if they're trailing in a lot of these games, they're going to have yeah, to be, be throwing playing the ball. slow, ugly, yeah. 13, 10 type. They're going to be like the Baltimore Ravens when they had like Flacco, you know, in, the, in that era. Uh, they're going to ugly these games up. So I, yeah. I, I don't see garbage time for Julian Edelman. I don't Can see I, garbage time for a lot of these teams. I, I just think these are like kind of four. They're going to be just like kind of ugly, you know, playing low scoring type of games and hoping that their defense can keep them in it. 
Yeah, I actually, I think he might be suffering too from like, you know, when you read these stories of like couples that have been married for 80 years and one dies, the other one passes away like shortly after that. Yeah. I think Edelman's going to have his like FOMO with Brady. Do you think though, this is my only thing I'm going to throw it out there. Could be, could be wild. Could get traded down to, yep. to, Tampa, to Tampa Bay midseason. I was kind of, while I was going under the case for the under, I was actually thinking out of the back of my head that this, the, this year he could end up not being in New England, whether it's through a trade or maybe a midseason retirement. Yep. I could see a concussion midseason and him being like, this is not worth it. We're not going to be back in the Super Bowl anytime soon. Brady's gone. And my will to play to your, you know, what you were just saying about the, you know, the old relationship. It's like my will to play is just no longer there now. You know, all it takes is one bad hit for Edelman. He's a smaller guy. Yeah. I get your point about him going to Tampa Bay, but still there's only one football. I mean, down in Tampa, you've got right. Gronk, Ten guys. You've got the two receivers. Yeah. I, I don't know. Even 924 down there seems like that's a little, a little steep. Yeah. I'm going down. So just for uh, reference last year, he had 1100 yards receiving with Tom Brady. No way is he gotten over a thousand. So I'm going under. Okay. So let's move on to some of the best bets for the AFC East. What do you got Coulter? Yeah, I hit, I hit the two overs on Buffalo and the dolphins and then the bills, a uh, couple of value plays. My, I actually already have this one. Brian Hoyer to start week one for new England at 10 to one is actually now down to five to one. So there's been movement on this. Um, Hoyer is a veteran. He's familiar with the system. Belichick treats September as an extended preseason. The team has been adamant about not adding a backup QB this year. They clearly like Hoyer. They don't want to go with Cam Newton. They don't want to go with Jameis Winston. They want a guy who knows the system, who can compete with Stidham, and maybe get Stidham ready to be the starter. But you know what? If Stidham is not ready, they have no problem going with Brian Hoyer week one. I can guarantee you that. They have, there's no reason he would be there if they didn't have a problem with doing that. That's the Belichick yeah. way. He doesn't care if they lose week one. He cares that they're playing in a Super Bowl in February. Yeah. Now, the only reason I might push back against that is I'm sticking with my narrative that the Pats are going to be a shitty team this year. So I actually think he wants to see if Stidham's the guy. There's really, to and me, no. Why, and that's why Stidham is the overwhelming favorite is because that's kind of the mindset is that they want to give Stidham a full 16 games to know if he's actually the quarterback in the future, which I get. totally. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, if Bill is sitting there and says, Hey, you know what? We've got talent. We've got a roster here. If I can just get a veteran to essentially be a game manager and you know, he looks two around at that, two in September. Yeah. If he looks around and says, Hey, look, this AFC East is up for grabs. We can make a run here. I know how to coach. Obviously he's the best coach in the league. He might be able to be like, you know what? Sneaky, pull some strings and get Hoyer in to start and have a veteran team that goes nine and seven. And then, you know what he go, if, if you're Belichick, you're risking say, Hey, you know what? As long as I'm in the playoffs, we got a shot here and then I can out coach everybody out there. So if that's the case, I love Hoyer. I just don't see it. I think he's trotting I, out Stidham. <laughs> you don't, you don't like the, uh, the little Yorgos line movement off of this too. I, I was pretty stunned when I saw that it went down already. I was like, Whoa, the line movement is definitely worth noting. But like you said, we've been burned by the Yorgos bet before. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, just because there's line movement does not mean it's a good bet. That's actually a very good point. But what I would keep an eye on, though, is look for whispers coming out of New England. If Bill thinks that they've got a team there, then yes, I'm with you. He's going to start Hoyer. If he starts Stidham, though, I, you know. This, that, the that's schedule still... also allows a, a Hoyer because they open with Miami and they have to go to Seattle, which you'd think that is not a game you want to have Stidham in if he's not ready. And then you have at home versus the Raiders, which is, again, another winnable game for Hoyer. So it's like you, you map that out in your head and you're thinking 
if I have Brian Hoyer, if you're Belichick, you think I can get to two and one with two home wins with, with Hoyer on the teams that are, yep. be- are worse than we are. So it's like, that's how I could see him thinking about it in his head. Yeah. Um, all right. You got another good value play for us. Yeah, this is the back to the Darnold. Uh, well, Darnold for MVP for a hundred to one. Uh, most importantly, this is not listed on Movada, which is, I think the most shady thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Stidham is 66 to one, which is just offensive. He's never played. And he was awful in the one quarter that he did play last year. I know Darnold looked terrible at times last year, but he also looked really good at times last year with a not great team. He missed half the season with the most injured football team in the league and the worst rated offensive line by pro football focus. Uh, He can only improve really. And again, as I pointed out, he's got the narrative uh, earlier, the largest city in the U S epicenter of the COVID pandemic. Everyone has written him off for the lack of weapons. Um, He's going to have, chip on his shoulder like Aaron Rodgers. A hundred to one is insane value. And we've just spent a quarterback of a pro team. I mean, it's a quarterback award, right? All he has to do is be in the top 10 quarterbacks and then he is potential to be. And we, we covered how they have invested in that offense. He's now got a stud left tackle. He's got a burning wide receiver. Now it all comes that back to Adam Gase. Adam Gase capable (laughs) of, because this is what, why you'd bet on Darnold is what we went over last week too. It's a long shot award. Mahomes was 40 to one. Jackson was a hundred to one last year. These guys come out of nowhere. So Darnold would be the quote unquote guy coming out of nowhere. The problem is can Adam Gase build an offense like Harbaugh built for Lamar Jackson last year? Is he even close to Andy Reid as an offensive coordinator? No to both of those questions. And that's why it's a tough one to, to take, but I love the value. I love the value. It's a, a hundred to one. And fucking Bavada. How is this not on the board? It it's makes so, no sense. It, it's on uh, FanDuel. People want to go look for it. If they're living in New Jersey, you can bet it there. Don't go to Bavada. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, what pointed me out to this actually was fantasy football. I was doing a little scouting. He is rated 31st of the pros, the quarterbacks in fantasy. He's only ranked below Gardner or no, you know, he's below Gardner Minshew. He's only above Dwayne Haskins. Sorry. I got that wrong. Jeez. He's 31 in fantasy football. I think that is so ridiculous. That's outrageous. I mean, he's not going to be your fantasy quarterback, but how, there's no way he's that. Allen low. Is that's going ridiculous. Ninth. Well, the thing with Allen is though, he gets you rushing yards, rushing. Too. That's what my brother said. Yeah. I, but I'm telling you, I mean, nine to 31. I just, I don't see how that can even, I know the rushing thing is there, but I, I think the gap between them is nowhere close to being that big. And then again, him being below Minshew is just repulsive. I mean, Darnold will start unless he gets hurt. We'll start all 16 games. Minshew right. is going to be, if he's 0 and three or 0 and four, they're going to pull the plug on him. That's crazy. All right. We got any other good uh, fantasy recommendations? Sure. Yeah. We'll hit uh John Brown. As I mentioned earlier, Diggs' arrival kind of opens things up for him. Uh, Colt Beasley's in year two with Allen. So there's going to be some comfort level there with those receivers. Um, and I can't really recommend Singletary. I know I like him a lot, but they've got that rookie Moss coming in. So I think that's going to be kind of like a committee type thing. I had originally listed off James white, but I've kind of convinced myself otherwise there. Um, I just, I don't see anybody in New England really thriving, but White, I guess, would be the one kind of homegrown talent that he's always been reliable for me in fantasy, so I can't totally shut the door on him, but uh, I, I can't really recommend him necessarily. And then the Dolphins player that I like is Mike Gesicki. He's not rated in the Woo-hoo! top 10, but I could see him finishing the year there. He came on really strong uh, with five touchdowns in the last five weeks last year. Uh, Parker Williams combo as receivers are going to open things up for him. And one would think that uh, if Tua does play – 
you will be looking to the tight end as a rookie pretty often late in the year. Yeah, there's just so much up in the air with this division. I think what you're going to get, though, is that uh, Buffalo is going to be the most consistent offense. But I just don't see anyone having like a massive fantasy campaign out of any of these four teams, really. I mean, you think about it, they're going to be playing each other, good secondaries, and then you're playing the NFC West, best defensive lines in football, at least with uh, the, the Niners have, I think, the best defensive line in football. And then you've got, uh, you know, Seattle's no slouch up front. And then the Rams obviously have the best defensive interior lineman slash defensive player overall in Donald. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough year for this division, I think. Uh, so, yeah, fantasy-wise, we'll have more fun with this as we go other divisions. I, right now, I mean, I'm recommending Sam Darnold, John Brown, and Mike Kosicki. Not exactly. <laughs> not a great start for the fantasy football recommendations, but there are value there. I, I do recommend yeah. Darnold is somebody, I mean, you can get him in the last round and he could be, I think if he takes the leap that I think he could take, he could be your starting quarterback. I, I mean, there's definitely opportunity there. Oh, for I sure. I he could be your tight end if you're in a 12 team league. You yeah. Wait to get him late. Well, that's a wrap on the AFC East. I think you said it perfectly when you're going to be expecting low scoring kind of gross games. This is not the division that it used to be. It's no longer a one team division, but you're just going to get sloppy, ugly football. I think. And who knows how long that lasts, but this was fun, man. What are we going against this division too? You have Brady leaving, as we touched on at the top, no fans in Buffalo, best, one of the best fan bases, if not the best fan base, so much going against it. You have uh, Adam Gase who could literally ruin it. uh, (laughs) Darnold's career as we went over. So it's like, there's a lot of things that are like problematic here on the the surface here going into the 2020 campaign. We're going to have a lot more fun with the other divisions. The AFC East is there. So like a cloud lingering over it. I feel like. I always used to think that the uh, AFC South was just the grossest division, but I think the AFC East is making a run this year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it really is one of those. I, I think there's a great storyline with Bills and Pats and that dynamic and how the Bills are going to try to usurp that. So that's an interesting and dynamic enough. And then you've got Belichick and the history with that team, which keeps it in the national conversation. We'll keep it in the national conversation all year. Yep. But yeah, in terms of actual football games on the field, don't expect anything sensational from this. Uh, yep. It's going to be ugly. Well, that's a wrap on the AFC East. This was fun, man. We're going to be uh, doing this uh, for every division. So we got some props. we got some stuff to keep the people uh, engaged. So good stuff here, Coulter. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.